Our gospel reading today is from the First Nations Version of the Bible, the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, verses 31 through 35. You are invited to follow along in the bulletin or in your pew Bible. Now listen for the word of God. Jesus then told them more stories about the good road. The good road from above is also like a man who plants a single grain of mustard seed, one of the smallest of seeds. But when planted in a garden, it grows larger than all the other plants and takes over the garden. It becomes a great tree with many branches, large enough for the winged ones who soar in the sky to find a lodging in its shade. Again, think of the good road from above to be like the yeast a grandmother uses when she makes fry bread dough. She mixes a little yeast into three big batches of flour. Then the yeast spreads throughout the dough causing it to rise. Jesus would only use stories like these when he spoke to the crowds. He taught nothing to the crowds without using a story. This brought meaning to the ancient prophecy, I will tell many stories, stories of the ancient ways, things hidden since the beginning of the world. This is the word of the Lord. It's true what they say, you can see every single face from up here. <laughs> I am a psychiatric nurse, as, one, as was one of my fellow travelers to Guatemala this summer. I loved bonding with Heidi Campbell over the telling of stories we'd heard over the course of many years in our careers. Most people find it cathartic to tell their story, as did our patients. This is essentially how we got to know people intimately. This is how healing occurs. Now settle in for some more stories. This summer we had the opportunity to travel to Guatemala as part of a contingent of 10 sisters and brothers in Christ from Second Presbyterian Church. We went there to take part in an intercultural encounter sponsored by SEDEPCA, the Protestant Center for Pastoral Studies in Guatemala. Prior to our trip, we had a visit from Betsy Moe, the PCUSA mission worker in Guatemala, and her husband, a phenomenally talented trumpet player. You will remember, and how could you not, if you were here, that Betsy preached a sermon on the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of leavened bread and Eric played the trumpet magnificently. I encourage you to go back to listen to the service, whether you were here or not. This was an important sermon in the life of our church. As you may recall, Betsy shared the parable of the mustard seed. She did this in book part because she was aware that the lectionary for the Sunday we would worship at St. Alban Episcopal Mission would include this passage. She reminded us that this passage has been used in the past in evangelical circles to stir folks to winning more souls for Christ. 
Betsy reminded us of other ways we might think about parables. She shared a belief that parables are meant to shake us out of our complacency. And oh, did she ever shake us out of our complacency. Last week, we heard a sermon from our new interim pastor about protecting our treasures. Fred reminded us that indeed, Second Church has been extravagantly generous and that extravagant generosity is essential in the life of the church and in the body of Christ. It is when we are being extravagant that we are doing the work of the living God that Betsy alluded to many times in her sermon, the work of the living God. The work that Sedeca is doing in Guatemala. Second Church has a long history of sending groups to Guatemala over the course of a number of years. Many of you have been. One of you told me that it would be a life-changing experience, and I can tell you that this was the case for me. Our pastoral minister, Mary Jane Winter, started visiting Guatemala in the early 1980s. Our associate pastor, Kate Fiedler's father, went on those early trips. There were several members of our group that had been to Guatemala three and four times. Such is their love for the country and its gracious people. And speaking of extravagant generosity, we were informed by Mary Jane prior to our trip that the Guatemalans are an extremely welcoming and gracious people. We found this to be true. Everywhere we went, we were greeted by individuals who have suffered unbearable poverty and the trauma of having survived 36 years of war and genocide. Living into and bringing abundant life to all, that theme in Bessie's sermon. This is exactly what we discovered when we met Sadepka's staff and the women, teens, young mothers, and others they partner with as they try to change the political and social landscape of the land in which they live. The Guatemalans we encounter were living into that abundant life promised by the living God. As we traveled around the country meeting folks, it became apparent that many of them had been traumatized in so many different ways. We met women who had been victims of systemic violence serving to keep them in their place. As part of the preparation for the trip, we were each given a book or other readings to teach us about some of the systemic problems faced by those living in a country where political power rests only in the hands of the wealthiest of families at the very top of the socioeconomic ladder. I was given a book called The Tree Girl, based on a true story and exemplifying the very essence of the word resilience. I'm guessing a number of you have read it. The tree girl, Gabriella, was so named because she learned to climb high in the outstretched branches of the Guatemalan forests as a young child, much like the small bird nesting in the wispy branches of the mustard tree. An excerpt from the book. Then one day, from the safety of a tree, she witnesses the sights and sounds of an unspeakable massacre 
she vows to be the tree girl no more and joins the hordes of refugees struggling to reach the Mexican border. She has lost her entire family. Her entire village has been wiped out. Yet, she clings to the hope that she will be reunited with her youngest sister. Over dangerous miles and months of hunger and thirst, Gabriella's search for her sister and for a safe haven becomes a search for self. Toward the end of the book, Gabriella reaches the Mexican border only to end up spending months in an impoverished encampment, forced even there to search in desperation for something to eat. When she is finally reunited with her sister, the sister is mute, likely as a measure of self-preservation from having to speak of the unimaginable horrors she too has witnessed. After reading about the conditions that force this youngster from her homeland and the conditions that force youngsters into gang activity, I am left with nothing but empathy for those who would choose to leave their homeland to cross over into ours. I know this is a complicated issue. I will never again think of those attempting to come into this country as the other. They are us. We are one in Christ. Betsy reminded us that we are all in this journey of life together, that the parables are about more than church growth. They serve to remind us that the church is about communities coming together to benefit the most vulnerable. That's what Betsy taught us. In Guatemala, we were greeted by 100 children in the after-school program at Emerson Maraza's church. They greeted us with open arms as if we were the most important thing in their world. They were holding up placards, welcoming, welcoming each of us by name, and left us feeling extraordinarily grateful. Grateful that these young ones will have a chance to make it into their teen years and beyond without getting involved in gang activity. One can only hope and pray. We ran relay races with the children in the street outside, and we played some other games as well. The joy that we encountered would not be present, but for the generosity of Emerson, who plans to visit us here at Second next month. The program that Emerson and the volunteers in his church have developed serve over 300 children. These are children who very likely could meet the fate of one child we were told about were it not for this program. We heard the story of a child who was enlisted by gang members to murder someone. The child told the gang members he was a Christian and could not commit murder. We were told that the penalty for not doing what had been asked of him was being shot and hung over a fence later to be found dead. You will have a chance to support this ministry next week, World Communion Sunday. Each year, Second Presbyterian Church receives the denomination's Peace and Global Witness Offering 
and our Mission Advocacy Council has always designated a global recipient to receive half of the offering, while the other half goes to the peacemaking program of the PCUSA. Our Mission and Advocacy Council has recommended and session has approved that a portion of this offering be designated to support the program at Emerson's Church, designed to keep the children of Guatemala City out of gangs and away from drugs, danger, and death. And more than that, to teach them Christ's love and peace. We met a group of teenage boys and girls who had learned how to bake. They showed us their craft. They encouraged us to get our hands into the leavened dough to copy what they'd done, and we did that. We became bakers ourselves, working in the leavened dough, how apropos to our parable. We heard the story of a lovely, older teen girl with long, flowing, and shiny black hair and dazzling, sparkling eyes. She spoke about her goal to attend university to become an accountant. We met with the Mayan women of Corazon de Mujer who fled their villages during the years of civil strife and terrible violence. They found themselves in Chamotanyango struggling to survive. With support from Sedepka, they began to weave traditional textiles and the result was a weaving cooperative. They shared their stories of trauma and great vulnerability. And I'm always amazed, the word vulnerability, the root, the root word is vulnare, to wound. So we're talking about people who have been wounded. Their stories serve as inspiration to their children, some of who were present to listen. We delivered the books you so generously donated to the K through 6 grade school in Santiago at Atlan. We visited with an Episcopal priest, a former physician who, among other things, spoke about his work with the LGBTQ community in Shalon. There was so much more to tell you about, but I think you get the idea. Sadepka is doing wonderful work in Guatemala. We also bonded with one another, sharing the love of Christ and being joined as a cohesive group. Bound together by the Holy Spirit, we supported one another as we grappled with the knowledge that hardship is so much a part of Guatemalan life. And lastly, I want to talk about water. Roger's been talking an awful lot about water. He talked about water over the summer, and he's been talking about water in Sunday school, and I absolutely encourage you to attend because it's just fascinating. Anyways, um, I want to talk about this for a minute because it relates so much to some of the things that go on right here in this building and in this sanctuary. In Guatemala, you don't drink just any water. It has to be filtered. And I learned just this morning from Mary Jane that it's Sedepka is one of the organizations that supplies the filters in which the water is to be um, filtered. Uh, unfortunately, it is the wealthiest people at the very top of the socioeconomic strata that are providing bottled water and plastic containers that then, of course, are not good for the environment. Right here and now, I'm so very enthralled with the fact that we speak of the life-giving waters of our baptismal font. 
We speak of it at the beginning of every service. Just last week, I learned something of the socio-political meaning of water from Roger Gensch in Sunday School. We learned that many theologians have come to view water as a right and not just a commodity. We pay for our water here, right? And those that can afford get water. Water is the life force that keeps us going. The water right here in this font reminds us weekly of the promises we make to sustain life as we are called to live out our baptismal vow to help others live an abundant life promised by the living God. Guatemalans do not take water for granted. And neither do our guests at Monday walk-in lunch. I want you to know that your extravagant generosity is so very much appreciated by the folks who dine with us. You simply cannot imagine just how grateful someone can be in response to being given an extra bottle of water as they leave through the back door at the end of their meal. The depth of gratitude is palpable and almost indescribable. So here is an important lesson for us. In Guatemala, there is so much impoverishment, and right here in Richmond, we have so many that are hungry related to being homeless or knowing food insecurity. And yet, there is joy. We see it in the faces of our guests, and we saw it in the faces of the children in Guatemala. We saw it in the faces of the bakers and the women who made chocolate and the women who opened bakeries with micro loans from Sedefka. I came to learn that a good part of the joy we saw was related to the fact of our mere presence. In describing what we were going to Guatemala for, my friends simply could not understand why we wouldn't be building something. Of course, building things is important, and there are plenty of people doing that work. However, it was the extravagant generosity on our part to simply take time about our busy lives to travel to a foreign land to sit in the presence of people who need to tell their stories. In the treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder, there is a symptom called re-experiencing the traumatic event. Part of that re-experiencing occurs so that the traumatized person can work through the trauma and master the overwhelming emotions of the event that led to the trauma. The women we met experienced a profound kind of healing when they had an opportunity to tell their stories. We're talking about women who were chased out of their communities, who had to leave family members behind, and many who probably never saw those family members again. We saw it in the tears in their eyes and in the intensity of emotion apparent in their beleaguered faces. Those faces were so very tired and yet so full of life. And it is not just the telling of the story that is important, but it is having someone who believes and understands the meaning of the story and the impact 
and the impact that it has had on one's life. It is the fact of being heard that is healing. It is about the relationship. Listen to what we find on our church's website under our mission. Our global mission, this is from our church's website, our global mission efforts should become increasingly relational. In the parlance of the psychiatric nurse, it is all about what happens in the interpersonal realm. We should deepen our connections with partners in Malawi, Guatemala, and other countries. It is your extravagant generosity in supporting those of us who made this trip and enabled us to listen to those stories. It is only as we tell the stories of our pain that we can begin to heal. We've told the stories in this church about the racism in this city's past and in our church's past. It is so important to listen to those who have felt the sting of racism. In closing, here is another excerpt from our church's website. We should support the larger church's work through our presbytery and general assembly by supporting our missionaries. We should expand our undesignated contributions to global missions. We should inform, excite, and involve the congregation in the full extension of our ministry around the world. That's why I found my way to this church, by the way. This is what we are all about today. It is what we will be about in the past. I'm sorry. This is what we are all about today. It is what we have been about in the past, and it is what we will be about in the future. Circling back to the sermon we heard in June, I want to offer that our trip to Guatemala this summer, this congregation's support and involvement in the work of Sedefka, and indeed this church's very missional focus, gets at the heart of what Fred spoke about last Sunday. The work of Sedefka, both financially and in our physical presence in inviting its partners, represents the work of the living God. At the close of her sermon, Betsy looked at us and said, and I will quote, you are what the kingdom of heaven looks like. She might just as well have added that with a little leavening, you are and will be extravagantly generous. This is our past, this is our present, and this is who we will be moving forward. Let it be so. Let us pray. Blessed God of the earth, sea, and sky, we thank you for the beautiful gift of land you have given us. You are speaking to us that these precious gifts are given to all, and not only a few. Help us to believe in the word you have provided and to strengthen us in faith as we resolve to honor what you have put before us. In the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen.